to down to down to. Yeah, um, missed and peeved. Miffed and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be missed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. It's a real word. It's a real word. It's a real word. I don't use it. Not in your vocabulary? Down to dunk. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, also featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Well, I slept like three hours, three hours and a half, mainly because I was reading uh, Stephen Adams' autobiography, which is great. Just great. <laughs> uh, should we share a little story from it? Yeah, you read it. I mean, you're better okay. in English, so. Okay, so this is a story about Stephen Adams throwing shot put. Uh, by the time Nationals came around, I was throwing the shot put 45 feet and feeling confident. What I failed to notice were the occasional news stories about a guy called Jacko Gill, who had set a junior world record at the age of 14 and won gold at the World Junior Championship. He didn't look very big and was certainly not as tall as me. Then he got up for his warm-up throw, heaved it close to 60 feet. Man, what a D, I thought. (laughs) At least pretend you're trying. (laughs) Oh, he's so good. (laughs) Yeah, and then he basically says, I finished it up in fourth place and decided to end my athletic career then and there. So basically, (laughs) he trained for three months. He was extremely good at it, and in one day, he decided to quit it because it was not the first one. Right. Like, it was not, like, the first of his nation. Yeah. Because he wasn't the best. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I think it'd be good to go ahead and share the the Noel one, too, then. Just to kind of... I think it's a really good insight into Stephen Adams, like, as to who he is. Because he did, like, he played against, like, Andre Drummond and Nerlens Noel, and he wasn't as well known as those guys, but he ended up like playing really well against those guys. And I think that's what kind of spurred on his basketball career, because I, I do think he's a guy that wants to be the best and like strives to play against the best. And that's, I, I, you see him play against teams like golden state and Houston, and he typically plays his best against them. And so when he sees the best competition, I feel like he kind of plays up to that. Uh, here's the story about him and Nerlens. I went into the game knowing that if I was ever going to stamp my name on the collective basketball consciousness, it would be by outplaying Noel. Of course he was good. It took me a few minutes to adjust to his speed, but once I sussed out his moves, I knew we'd be an even match. Late in the third quarter, I saw Nerlens under the hoop, waiting for the pass. I knew I couldn't let him get an easy dunk like that. So I boosted and got there for the block. My only one of him all game. And it may be the one play that edged me in front of him in that contest. It's, it's just an amazing story. And I also need to ask him, what does it mean for you to, to boost? Like, what is there? Is there like a, like a setting inside Steven Adams that just makes him boost? And like, why aren't you should, should probably boost a little bit more, man. Uh, but that's just such a cool story to to see and now that they're teammates i think obviously this will 
be asked by somebody about that moment and maybe if Nerlens remembers it. But um yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to to talk to Adams after reading this and to get a little bit more insight on the man that he is. Yeah, and I think that that moment probably meant a lot more for Steven uh, because he was a guy from New Zealand uh, doing his prep school in Notre Dame. Uh, Basically, he described it as probably one of the worst moments of his life. Uh, He he was thinking like, I'm going to America and fancy basketball gyms and blah, blah, blah. And that prep school wasn't. And so he had that occasion to rise and show himself to the uh, like – basically to American basketball and, and he did it. So I think that Steven had like reading the book, a lot of defining moments and probably going up against the guy who was thought to be probably the favorite to be number one pick was big for him. And if you read the book that I like advise you to do, um, it's really full of these little moments, uh, that gave me a chance to, um, to make it to the NBA. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, well worth it. I mean, he's he's easily the best guy to talk to in the Thunder locker room. And so like, that's a, a good enough reason to read it. But his story is just amazing. I mean, it's just it's not your typical journey to the NBA type of story. And so he's a uh, he's just a special guy. So I think it's definitely worth a read. And I'm looking forward to reading it myself. Uh, Mikel, over the weekend, or I guess the last part of the week, uh, Team USA practice happened. Paul George and Russell were buddy buddy. Even Russell and Kevin were buddy buddy, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. Uh, with all the the weird rumors, or just it's not even a, a rumor; it's just people talking about. Mm-hmm. And we're not. I'm not aiming to talk about Kevin at all throughout this, but. That that's there that it would make sense that if he wants to kind of redeem his basketball life coming back to OKC makes a ton of sense uh, whether or not that will happen I have no idea or what the odds are I have no clue but it's just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind a little bit because it does seem as though Kevin won't be with the Warriors for more than a couple of years I would guess um, and he'll be he'll be going somewhere else I, I would guess he would not come back here but there's there's people that know things that keep saying it and I keep telling them to stop, but they don't stop. Um, but Paul George was asked about Dennis Schroeder and he said that he thought that Schroeder was the best backup point guard in the NBA. And I thought, huh, is he? That's interesting. I don't know. I don't know if he is. And then I thought, well, where does he even rank among all point guards? Um, so, oh, Woj just tweeted that the Hawks will place Anthony on waivers within an hour. Uh, yep. what, what we've known for like a month, basically. <laughs> I'd like to thank Andy's Frozen Custard for sponsoring today's show. You got to go to Andy's right now. They've got a new concrete and it's a peach concrete. It's so good. I've been really into peaches lately. We've been buying a lot of them from the store. And then when I saw that Andy's had a peach concrete, it's all over it. When I went there that day that I found out and I got one and I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. Also, if you're needing something a little bit sweeter, they have a key lime pie concrete 
And I know John Hamm got it and tweeted about it. I know some other people did. It's so good too. My wife uh, got it the same day I got the peach concrete and she loved it. I had a, a couple bites, man. You, you've got to go check out Andy's frozen custard, support the people that support down to dunk and get yourself an Andy's. But I just think that it's, it's an interesting kind of exercise to go through at least for now. And it's hard, it's hard to say whether this will play out or what this will look like because there's so many variables. It's not just how he played last year. It's not just where he ranks against players last year. I totally get that. But I think that we need to start from somewhere and mm-hmm. just to kind of see where where can we kind of place him in the Thunder rotation or even against all the rest of the Thunder players last year um, and then against other guards last year. And so uh, I don't know if you have a list or a way that you've thought about it with the backup point guards. I think that's kind of a shorter conversation, but who would you place in front of him as a better backup point guard or is there anybody? Well, to me, the point is uh, there are no reliable stats of Danny Schroeder uh, as a backup because I think that you cannot really count his first two, three seasons as a Hawk where he didn't uh, play uh, a starting role. And because like he changed, like you change a lot in, yeah. in, during your rookie scale deal. And so if I look at his role uh, functionally, more, more so than numbers uh, in the successful Hawks team, I think he can be up there. Um, and like this season, like the, the past season, he was generating a lot of points for him and for others in a very bad situation against starting against starting units. So, as a backup with probably a unit that will feature Paul George, he can be extremely functional. And so, it's hard to say he will be better than other point guards um, or combo guards as Lou Williams or or guys like that. I I I don't have um, like a clear picture on how to evaluate that. I think that his style of um, isolations and quickness and pick and roll can be extremely functional against second units because um, if you have a big that can defend the pick and roll, you usually place him in the second unit. And so if you have a guy that attacks the pick and roll as well as shooter does, it's an extreme advantage for you. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard to find like a definitive, uh, like a defining uh, a list where you can rank all of them um, because like they play in a very, very different style. I mean, I don't think that Raymond Felton is a bad player. I just think that functionally with the guy that, that that, uh, OKC has, uh, Shooter makes so much sense. Yeah, without a doubt. I I think that you first look at a guy like Terry Rozier with what he did in the playoffs as maybe the best backup point guard in the NBA, just because you've seen him do it over the course of a season. And you saw what he did in the playoffs. And I mean, that dude was really good and good on both ends. And then to me, like the only other backup point guards that I would say that are in the conversation are probably Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors. I thought he was really good last year and, he'll be just as good next year. I mean, he knows his role and plays it well. That's a, that's another thing that if, if Schroeder can know his role and play it well, then he could be the best. 
I mean, he just can be. But I think there's a lot of questions around that and what that looks like for him. And then Isaiah Thomas. Like, we just don't know what we're getting from him. We don't know what mm-hmm. kind of player he's going to be. We don't know if he's healthy. We don't even know if you can get even 90% of what he was a couple years ago. But if you can, then he's probably the best backup. Because, I mean, will he, he won't start in Denver, will he? I I don't think so. Uh, it, it, I, I think the, the the most likely thing is to start Murray and Harris. Yeah, that's what uh, I and thought. Let Isaiah, let Isaiah um, coming off the bench. But that well, they they can even. I I don't think you should bench any of the young guys for him. And Isaiah makes sense off the bench because he can give you a spurt offensively. So yeah, yeah. I will definitely count him as a as a backup. Yeah. So I mean. I don't know where you place him, but I think that he's in that group of backup point guards that really like Rozier and Van Vliet could start for a lot of teams in the NBA. And if Isaiah Thomas is healthy, obviously he can too. I mean, the dude was an MVP candidate a couple years ago. He can start on a lot of teams. And I think the same for Schroeder. I mean, there's, there's definitely like Orlando, any of those guys would start for Orlando or for Phoenix. You know, like those are the mm-hmm. two teams that like really need point guards. But then there's all these other young point guards where, you know, Schroeder is probably better than a guy like Dennis Smith and De'Aaron Fox right now, but he wouldn't start in front of those guys because those are like the quote unquote franchise guys moving forward. And so like, there's like those weird situations like that, but I kind of have in like the grand scheme of things I have, Schroeder ranked like in the twenties as far as like best point guards in the NBA. Um, I'm going to read you a list. I want you to tell me if mm-hmm. you think Schroeder is better than any of these guys and you'll be obvious no's for most of them. Uh, Steph, Russ, Chris, Paul, Kyrie, Rubio, Conley, Kemba, Kyle Lowry, Jeff Teague, uh, George Hill, Rozier, Oladipo, John Wall, Ben Simmons, Drew Holiday, Damian Lillard, Dragic, Bledsoe and Rondo. Uh, it will be probably be no for um, everyone except uh, Rondo. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was like the last guy. I was like, ah, like may, maybe you'd want Rondo. I don't know. I I probably no, I no. I probably wouldn't. But so that places him around like the twentieth best point guard. And there may be other guys that you would consider in there yeah i just you just read too much and i forgot basically every name yeah uh (laughs) right (laughs) so there there were a few where you can make a case yeah Uh, again uh it's hard to evaluate stats when you are in a very very bad team with poor spacing Mm -hmm. and probably a coach that is on the move and a coach that doesn't want you to play to his best uh to your best strengths uh as an example of this um Probably we already mentioned that, but Schroeder was excellent in isolation uh, situation, including passes. And by excellent, I mean like the 91st percentile um, league-wide. The issue was he played just 13% of his possession in isolations, uh, which is not ideal for a guy who is extremely effective. Like James Harden played a lot more in isolation and because he was productive there. In pick and roll, he was still good um, in the like better half of the league, like say 56, 57 percent percentile. Uh, 
but not as effective as in isolation. And so maybe, again, a second unit where he can just take his men and generate shots for others, shots for others, I think he can be extremely successful. Uh, maybe not um, a good fit like George Hill. It was the other guy that you mentioned that I think you can make a case. Uh, George Hill would be much, much better with Russ. But to lead a second unit, I don't think so. Like yeah. George Hill can be perfect complement with other ball enders that can do uh, most of creations like, uh, for example, with Ingles and uh, Hayward on the floor. Uh, it can be great uh, with LeBron on the floor. But I do, I'm not sure uh, with Paul George uh, if that is a good fit or not. With Schroeder, you give him the ball and you generate shots for Paul George. That is the blueprint if you start your Russ and PG. With yeah. a guy like George Hill, uh, who is maybe more versatile and is surely a better defender, uh, I don't know if he can replicate the same in the second unit, which is, again, to me, one of the biggest problems of OKC last season. Yeah, without a doubt. And you can make the argument that Schroeder may be a better fit for Oklahoma City in the way that they play the offensive game than he was for Atlanta. Because mm-hmm. in Atlanta... They're not playing isolation basketball. As Coach Bud is not, he's not going to have that. You're not going to play that over and over again. And Schroeder, he probably thought, looked at Schroeder and said, you know what, you're probably not good enough to just, you know, take us there, you know, every other possession or something like that. But you give him, I don't know, 10 possessions to do that with a second unit, he can really generate some great shots. And so he may be a better fit for what the Thunder do. And a lot of people complain that it's not, you know, pretty or complicated, like it's just too simple, it's too straightforward. But when you have a guy that can be effective in that way, just like Russell is super effective in what he does, then maybe it just works and maybe they found something. And all of this, from we just don't know. Like, we don't know if this guy can come in and do everything that we are saying theoretically he could do as the backup. Uh, but he seems to be put in a really good position to do that. You have Nerlens Noel there as a great guy to be a rim runner and set good screens. And then I don't know how they'll handle the wings. I think that's being discussed a lot um, around the Thunder. Like who's going to play? Who's the next guy up? Is it Ferguson? Is it Abrinas? Is Nader going to play? Is it TLC? Who's it going to be? But whoever it is, I think that they'll be able to space the floor well enough to give Schroeder the room to to get to the bucket like he loves to do and to set people up. So I, I think the second unit, this this may be one of the better second units on paper that the Thunder have had in a long time. Yeah, I think, um, and many people, many smart people said that uh, since Reggie, really, uh, OKC didn't have a good point guard. Yeah. Uh, you can like you can get away um, when you had Durant because like he's KD and so mm-hmm. like he he will lift the second unit by himself. But even then, I remember looking into stats and say, well, the second unit with Russell is much better because Kevin, like he, of course, is a better player. But uh, like to lead a second unit requires different. Uh, Capabilities, And I think that the, the point guard that can dictate pace and tempo is extremely important. Another player that I can, uh, it's, it's not the same player, but uh, Paddy Mills, uh, like he can come off the bench with Manu and they 
pick up the pace. Mm-hmm. They uh, lead the second unit in, with a very definitive um, uh, style of play. And that is more important than the talent alone. And yeah. so if OKC can find a way to have a second unit that plays sustainable and uh, like with a definitive style of basketball, that can be extremely useful. Yeah, without a doubt. And that style not only fits the second unit, but it's just that's the team's identity as an offensive team moving forward. And it makes it just really simple because I just felt it felt like so many times last year that when the second unit came on, it was completely different. And I think that that maybe messed up the flow of Paul George's game because Paul George just wasn't good with the second unit. And it may have may have been a part of it that we play so different with Russell. And now I come out here and it's like a different basketball team almost. And we can't just keep really much cohesion going. And there were some games where the second unit played better than the starters. I mean, that happened several times. It was just because there was more ball movement and player movement like Billy wanted. Like, the, I guess maybe those guys are just more coachable than what the first unit was. But um it's just going to be really interesting to watch this team kind of go in one direction together and stay pretty steady throughout a game. Uh, I have some stats just comparing where shooter was among all guards and then where he was uh, against the thunder players last year, or I Mm -hmm. guess like where he would have ranked on the thunder last year. So, uh, for PER, he had a 17.3 PER, which is good. And he was 19th among all guards in PER. He would have ranked fourth on the Thunder behind, behind Russell, Steve, and Paul George. So that's pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. off, offensive win shares, he had 1.5, which is okay. Uh, he ranked 51st among all guards, uh, but he would have ranked fifth on the Thunder. Um, a little bit better than Abrinas, but there's a, a definitive four and Jeremy Grant was a 3.5. And then the kind of the bottom drops out a little bit for OKC uh, defensive win shares. He was one um, 71st among all guards. Not great. Ninth on the yeah, thunder. Great. Yeah. Ninth on the thunder. He's basically in defensive win shares, the same as Abrinas and Josh Eustace, which should tell you something. <laughs> um, yeah. That's not great. And then uh, Vorp, he was a 0.7 value over replacement player. He was a 0.7. He was 50th in the NBA among guards, which would have ranked fifth on the Thunder behind Russ, Paul George, Adams, and Robertson. So you look at some of those and you're like, eh, like, is he really that, is he, is this really that much of an upgrade? But then like you plug it into where the Thunder players are and it's like, oh, this Thunder team didn't have much depth last year. They just didn't. Mm-hmm. And Mello was just in any, in any of those advanced stats was just not any good last year. Like he just, he just wasn't the stats were not kind to him mostly because he was just not an efficient player. Um, and was just bad on, on both ends on a lot of nights. So putting in a productive guy that I think it's almost good that he's definitively like the, fourth best player on the team because I think that's kind of where he falls in the hierarchy Uh, and so Mm -hmm. it's good to have a fourth guy there that can that has the skill set that he does because the Thunder I mean Ray Felton 
was probably your second best facilitator, maybe Paul George, but Paul George, man, he, he, I was a little bit disappointed in his playmaking last year. He's just really inconsistent and he has just these two gimme turnovers a game. It feels like, uh, so when, when you're lucky, when you're lucky, there's two, right? <laughs> <laughs> and can, so can I give you a stats, a stats real quick, uh-huh. uh, because otherwise I'll forgot mm-hmm. about the isolation and Dennis. Yeah. So, I said before that uh, Dennis played just 13, 13.5% of the time in isolation. Guess the number of James Harden and Chris Paul. Tell me Shooter's number. 13.4. I'm not sure. I don't know. So Chris Paul is at 22.4. Okay. And James is almost 30%. Hmm. Okay. And James Harden ranks first in the league in isolations, including passes, mm-hmm. in terms of efficiency, 1.19 uh, points per possession, which is extremely good. Schroeder yeah, that's really is, is second. Wow. Like second in the league at 1.16. Woo. Is even ahead of Chris Paul. And so to give you, uh, like, let's say that last year, we had shooter on the court and all the isolation that Melo created were shooters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number are quite the same because he had like 279 uh, um, and 69 uh, isolations while Melo had uh, 255. So close enough. Real close. Yeah. Melo generated, yeah, Melo generated 90 point less than shooter in those <laughs> isolations. <laughs> yes. Oh so, boy. So let just if you have like and Schroeder is good in pick and roll creation as well. What was Not what was Melo's point per possession? Uh, uh, point eight seventy five. Yikes. That is really bad. Yeah, it's not. Well, Russ was not good either. It was point uh, yeah. eight nine. Yeah, and PG was the same as Russ. Point eight nine, thirty eight and thirty ninth in the league. So OKC didn't have a very good year, uh, and Russ didn't have a good year uh, no. in terms of efficiency. We all know that. So, but but just to take uh, like the same isolations possessions. Like, Shooter didn't have many shooters around. Like, a few of them. Bellinelli, Ilyasova, okay. Um, but if you give him a second unit with shooters and free reigns to play either pick and roll or take your guy off the dribble if you have a mismatch, like, that can be a very, very, very good second unit. Sorry, go ahead. No. I, I interrupted you. No, you didn't. I think, I think that's a great point. And that really the Thunder offense just bogged down so much against Utah that, and Paul George was so passive in that last game that Russ was mm-hmm. just like, okay, if no one else is going to take the ball and try to score it, I guess I'll have to do it 40 something times. <laughs> and he did. And a lot of people blame him for that. But if you just like go back and if you, if you land on, this is all Russell's fault. This is just him. Go watch it again. Watch it again and watch Paul George get the ball, pump fake, pivot, and look for Russell. Because it happened over and over and over again in the fourth quarter. To ha- Schroeder would have been out on the court at that point. I believe that he's going to close a lot of games. Oh, no. My son is dressed up as a superhero and is 
coming in the room and throwing stuff at me. I'd like to thank Early Upgrade for sponsoring today's show. Go check out Early Upgrade if you are a manager, if you own a business, or you're part of a larger business that's needing to upgrade your iPads or iPhones or any kind of phone or tablet. Early Upgrade is your company. All phones and tablets have value, even if they're not functional, and their turnaround is super quick. So three days from delivery, you're going to have those phones or tablets in hand from them. They've been around nine years. They're just a great, great company, and their owner is a huge Thunder fan. So that lets you know that these people are the best. So they're a minimum of 200 units per shipment. So they're really looking at you, the managers, the business owners, and people like that. They reach nationwide, so if you're not just in Oklahoma City, you're anywhere in the United States, they've got your back. Please support the people that support Down to Dunk and check out earlyupgrade.com. But uh, Schroeder would have been on the court, and he would have taken shots, and he would have gotten to the rim. That would have definitely happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think that when when you have like... Uh, a moment in, in the game where you don't have the best way to score basketball, uh, to score basket, you have a guy that can that can play and can generate uh, as a secondary or, or as a first ball handler. Mm-hmm. He can generate mismatches. Yeah, um, like you can sw- if you if you have a, a Stephen Adams screen, you will switch or you lose him. Yeah. Period. Like uh, and so if you switch it. You have to be you. You, have, you better to be good at it. Like you have to be a uh, Draymond Green, a Rudy Gobert, or a very, very good um, rim protector to stay with him. And well, and he's a guy that, was, yeah. that that with Gobert switching onto him, like he could probably get like he's one of the few guys that could probably get by Rudy Gobert and get to the basket because he may do that. Because I mean, Gobert struggled in the second round, and they were able to kind of. You know, put him in in awkward positions, and I think that Schroeder is a guy that could probably do that because he's one of the fastest guards and one of the best at getting to the rim. And the Thunder just really lacked that ability, and it seemed like they were almost timid at times because I was begging Paul George to do that, you know, at times. So it was just, I think it's it's a piece that the Thunder need really badly. Yeah, yeah, um, same page here. Uh, we'll see how the defensive end of the ball will shape, uh, because that is uh, the thing that worries me the most, probably more than the fit with Russell. I think that with two ball handlers, you can find ways to be effective, even if you don't have all the shooting in the world. Uh, defensively, uh, against top team, that will be the key. Like, uh, if they both are engaged, then... We have to see. Like they can work, uh, but to me, that's the the main question uh, yeah. coming into the season, more so than the spacing and other stuff that you can carve out in different ways. Like spacing is not just shooting; uh, mm. it can be movement. That part is again a, a question mark, but uh, again, it's not impossible. Like OKC got away with very good offenses with both Adams and Robertson on the floor. There's no way. You can be worse uh, with Schroeder uh, offensively, or at least it's it's hard to think. Yeah, and a part of like what Mello was supposed to be was a guy that you could lean on for twenty to thirty points in a playoff game when Russell and Paul weren't playing well. And the fact was that he just was not that guy, and wasn't able to do that, and it just wasn't hitting anything in the playoffs. 
And so the Thunder need a guy that can come in and have the confidence to generate points because that's where the Thunder just really struggled in the playoffs. On which side? On which side of the ball? Because he he allowed like more than thirty uh, on in, on some nights. Right. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I think and. And you're right. There's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of question marks. But just being able to score, because it's not like Reggie yeah. Jackson was like the greatest defender in the world. I mean, there. No, no, I meant Melo. I meant. Oh, Mello you're talking about Melo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man. Yeah, I I hate to just trash Melo on the way out the door, yeah. but man, he was bad. Like he just was. Yeah, the play playoff Melo was, I mean, was 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 horrible. Yeah. It was not okay. Uh, like we, we are, we are kidding, joking. Uh, it's, it's fine. I mean, I think that, um, like, Shooter was. If Shooter is that bad defensively, then there are problems. Yeah. Um, because Melo was not playable because mainly because of his defense, but also yeah. um, he had a subpar, I think, playoff in terms of. Um, playoffs in terms of effectiveness offensively so if if he can have at least one of the two um at a pretty high level i think he can uh think of closing some games Mm -hmm. um we'll we'll have to see how prideful he is Uh, i think that Mm -hmm. he will be challenged defensively and maybe that will help for us as well we don't know that's the best case scenario of course that they uh, they both get in uh, defensively, try to, to do their best. They motivate each other, and somehow they work out like like they work out to have like a decent defense. Uh, that would be enough um, from um, because you have like very good compliments on the other three guys on the floor. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if I've gotten your mellow to Houston comments. What are your What are your thoughts on? him on that team what they look like he is obviously going to start for them he his mind mm-hmm. his mindset hasn't changed at all and some people are like well Melo's gonna humble himself and he's gonna be ready to accept whatever role because chris paul is going to tell him what to do and then you hear him lately and you're like oh okay well yeah. he's uh he's the same dude and he's going to be doing the same stuff in houston that he did in okc as far as personality wise and role wise it's it's going to be the same so what are your what are your thoughts on how that will work uh i think they will be good enough in the regular season i think they will replicate uh maybe not uh entirely the season that they had that they just had because in the end like okc made it work with metal like they were extremely good for 25 30 games mm-hmm. and there's no way uh that like I think he, he will a probably shoot at that better um, uh, because of Chris Paul and, and James Harden, and defensively during the regular season you don't have to be great. You just have to semi play something uh, on some nights, and with the talent they have, they will probably carve out fifty five wins anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, the point is coming playoffs time, every single team in the West has a point guard that can attack a pick and roll. Every team, like name them. Uh, Golden State, great. Um, Portland, great. Um, New Orleans, they have it. Uh, San Antonio, I have huge exp- expectation from uh, for Murray. So I think he will be able to attack a pick and roll. I thought you were going to say and Derek can, White. N- yeah, I mean, yes, <laughs> I love him. And, and ins- like insider take, 
I know for sure that San Antonio is extremely high on him this season. And it um, should be, yeah. Yeah. Um, OKC has two point guards that will c- cause trouble to Melo. Uh, you can go down the list. I mean, Utah, um, probably even Memphis and Dallas. Like, everyone, like LeBron James can kill Melo by just switching him, mm-hmm. uh, having him switch on him. So it's, it's impossible to hide him. It's really impossible. Uh, and so I think he will be a problem. If you cannot play him and Ryan Anderson, that's, that's problematic. Um, they are saying that they will probably try to move Ryan Anderson from, for a longer contract, like a guy like Bazemore maybe. Uh, that can help you, but if you're benching Melo in coming playoffs time, that is, that is the bomb that you don't want to trigger. Yeah. And so, like, what do you do? You don't play him. You play you play him twelve minutes. That is not going to work. Right. And so, to me, regular season is really not a problem. Uh, playoffs, yes. Yeah, people are saying like, if he doesn't play well, well, they just don't play him or they just waive him. Like, really? <laughs> that's your. Oh, that's, well, they they can waive him. They can, and then, you know what? If that's how they treat the situation, though that if he doesn't play well, they can bench him. They're going to end up waving him like that will happen. If that's how they treat, if that's how the situation is treated and that's how D'Antoni treats the situation, man, it's not, it will not go well. It just won't because the thunder did it. What? Like three times they did it against Dallas. They did, they did it in the playoffs twice. And by the end of that, it took three games over the course of almost 90 games and he was like, I'm out. Like, can you imagine if they did it for like 10 games in the regular season? What's he going to do? Like, he's still yeah. like, like the quote is, I know how to play this game of basketball. I'm not going to do that. And that's him in regards to coming off the bench. Like the dude is, I, I just, a lot of people just think that you can just deal with it that way. Man, I Mello, I think he was an awesome guy. He was one of my favorite guys to talk to in the Thunder locker room. He was really fun. He was insightful. But man, if that's how they're going to treat the situation, it just won't go well. It just won't. It'll be D'Antoni, Mello, round two. Just, it just won't be a good situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or they will make uh, our case. So say that they wave him, then then that's a confirmation that you cannot deal with him, basically. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Um, But it's interesting. If they succeed, if they somehow go to the Western Conference Final and they, again, play seven games against Golden State, well, D'Antoni should win, like, Coach of the Year for, like, 10 years straight. Right. No matter what. Hey, we'll give all the the props to them. If they can can make it work, and if they can make it work even come playoff time, man, like, that's... That's an amazing feat, and it will take a lot of effort on Houston's side and on Melo's side to make it work. It will. It'll take a ton of work. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it's unlikely unlikely now, but if mm-hmm. they manage to pull it off, and they could because they have the talent, and if Melo, like, say he maybe is in a better shape, maybe he, like, show up in, tra- in training camp with more, say, were different thoughts about uh, playing with the second unit and closing, uh, which is enough because you don't have to bench him. Uh, you just have to 
him being okay with not closing games. Well, that's that's an incredible coaching job. Mm-hmm. And if they can do that, well, I'm well, props to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it says here that Mello gave back 2.4 million of his 27.9 in salary. So the Hawks are saving a little bit of money uh, on this buyout, and then he'll get that money back whenever he signs his new deal. I did, I, at that point, I didn't think that was going to happen. It seemed like he was going to get his full salary from Atlanta and then get a little icing on the cake, but he, I'm not sure why he did that, but he did. So interesting. Yeah, um, probably to either speed up or be sure that they will buy him out uh, by the time he needs to. I don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Bill Simmons has been—he's been so pro OKC in this trade. He says so. Atlanta paid twenty-five and a half million to dump Schroeder's contract for a twenty twenty-two lottery protected okc pick <laughs> savvy i give atlanta s- summer an f minus 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 <laughs> i don't think it's a, i really like what atlanta did i think that it's good for their team moving forward uh and you kind of have to take on salary if you're going to get like a pick back i think the, i think the deal is good for them i don't think it's as bad as what simmons and what other people say but uh, it's nice to hear people that think <laughs> that it is that good for the thunder well, they also give away Muscala, which, like, he's not a, like a great player, but it still retains value. True. Uh, like Philadelphia really won, wanted him. So, um, and they got Justin I Anderson think, though, which I and I like Justin Anderson as a guy. Yeah. So yeah. I, I you don't, don't yeah, and you don't <laughs> obviously. No, no, no. It's it's not that. It's he didn't really show like anything. Would you have pref- uh, Would you have preferred him or TLC? Oh, TLC. Okay. Yeah, he's. I think he. Like, he's developing somehow, um, slowly. Um, but I like the profile better. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a bit younger, I think. If I'm not mistaken, I may be dead wrong on that. Yeah, I know Anderson and, played at Virginia for a little while. Yeah, and to me. Mechanically, uh, Cabarro's shot is a tad better of what uh, Anderson is, which is extremely weird because, uh, again, uh, he was a great shooter at Virginia, but Sam, our friend Sam Vicini told you um, that between Robertson and him, there was a hair probably. Uh, I think he was bad at the time, and then he was 100% right. So, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, he'll be 25 this season. Justin Anderson yeah, will be. be. So. He's yeah. quite he's quite a bit older. Um he's about Do you want to play the game? Two years older. Yes, yeah, so we're gonna play this game uh about how how much better will the Thunder be uh than they were last year. I'll read quickly and all you guys know this, but just to kind of have it in the front of your minds. Uh so the Thunder added Schroeder, Noel, Diallo, TLC, uh Abdul Nader, and Burton this summer, and they got rid of Mello, Dakari, Collison, Houston, Brewer, Hamilton, and they will singular will not be on this team uh, in the next 32 days. He will not be on this team. So uh, I think that that's a tremendous job. You got younger, you got more athletic, you filled up the end of the bench with guys that have potential that you could see that could maybe have a future. At least you could envision a future of them with this team. So 
just all the props to Sam Presti this summer. It may not work out. You know, like Burton, Nader, TLC, Diallo, like all the four of those guys may not be any good. I mean, that's a distinct possibility. But to still add Schroeder and Noel, who we know have really crazy talent. They're both crazy athletic. They fit the Thunder mold. They're both looking for kind of a, to recreate their image a little bit. And I think the Thunder is a good place for them to land. So, and you know what they gave up, like any of those names, I mean, Mello is obviously the best of all those, but the rest of them, you're just kind of like, yeah, like they, it's okay if they go. So, um, really impressive job by Sam. So the game I'm proposing to you today is the following. Um, I will mention uh, a particular stats on Synergy Sports uh, where the Thunder were either bad, like real bad, or quite good. And you have to guess um, where they rank, uh, well, around which position they rank uh, league-wide. And okay. if, in your opinion, and then we'll discuss why uh, they should uh, improve and or uh, be 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 worse on that particular stat. Okay. Okay. Uh, I want to start from uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Okay. Uh, I want to start on pick and roll, roll man. Pick and roll, roll man. Um, tenth. Okay. Yeah, pretty good. They were actually sixth. Sixth in the league. Okay. Uh, excellent rating. Uh, 1.13 uh, points per possession. And I kind of think they can be better. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, with, with, like with the second unit, uh, where they basically didn't win uh, enough of that. Right. I think that with Noel and Jeremy Grant, that can actually increase as a production. Yeah, I, I agree. And th- th- I don't know if they'll rank any higher in the league, but I think the number will be better just because you'll have Adams, Grant, Noel, and now you have two good pick and roll ball handlers. I mean, there's just, in my mind, there's no reason that it shouldn't be better. Yeah. And again, Adams was at 1.23. Um, and I think that's that can crazy. go higher. Yeah. He'll yeah. be, he'll be better. That's that's something that goes kind of under the radar is that Stephen Adams is still developing and is still getting better yeah. and I, I just expect him to be better next year. Yeah, it's maybe it's unfair to uh, ask him to be better than last season, but I think he will have more space, so he will be better by de- basically by default. Uh, that is my at least the uh, thing that I hope. Yeah. Um, other other stat uh, isolation. Okay, twenty uh, first. Oh, that's that's exact. Is it? <laughs> wow. Yeah, twenty twenty first. Absolute so, dumb luck is what that is. <laughs> yeah, it's point eighty three, um, and the reason why yeah. I think it will go up, it's because uh, many isolation possession were uh, taken by Raymond Felton. Um, 73 possessions. Uh, I think it could be more. Um, mm-hmm. And the results were abysmal, like mm-hmm. 0.57, oh. 0.57. Oh, yeah. man. So if, if you remember the number before, uh, like Schroeder is at 1.12. Yeah. So that's almost double. It's doubling the number of points that you are generating those situations. And trust me, 
uh, Schroeder will get many more isolations um, with respect of uh, Raymond Felton. And I mean, Paul just, George was not good. Yeah, so, just to put it in perspective, he would have scored 56 points per 100 possessions on isolation. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ray Felton. 112. Yeah, that's yeah, a, and Schroeder. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the... I mean, I, I know that Felton was an upgrade at the backup point guard position. I know that isolation shots are also not the end-all, be-all for ranking these guys, but still. I mean, that's a, a massive, massive difference. Yeah, and if you're going to take isolation shots like Ray did, you'd be better make them. Like, and Schroeder, for the better of the worse, is able to generate points, and he was able throughout his career to generate points in those situations, mm-hmm. while Raymond was extremely bad. We all remember, and Jay probably remembers better than all of us, right. all the mid-range shots, like out of the rhythm, out of any sort of basketball play that Ray would take. You remember the one that go in and may have won OKC some games, but if you take them all, that's pretty terrible. Like mm-hmm. 0.57 is abysmal. There's no way around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Last offensive stats, which I think it's extremely inter- interesting. Off screens. Hmm. Seventh. Sixth. You're very close. Wow. Uh, the issue there is just the four percent of their entire offense uh, relies on off screen moves, and mainly uh, Alex Abrines and Paul George. Yeah. So. I think that PG had like a very, very solid season uh, and will probably, with Noel in the second unit, he can generate more shots uh, of that kind. But also, I would like to see Abrinas um, shoot A, better, B, more. Mm -hmm. And so I really hope that they will try to uh, implement, with the second unit especially, some off-screen, like some... um, play where Noel set a screen and maybe Shooter is in isolation mode and you just keep the ball to Paul George while it curl off the screen from Noel. Those, the, the same play that they were doing with Russ and uh, NPG and Steven Adams. So if you can mimic that, uh, I think you have a very good blueprint uh, to, to play with the second unit and you can increase the number of possession in an extremely uh, efficient area for OKC. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's a good point, and I think that it'll be really interesting to see how how that works. But then also looking at Russell, and everybody's mentioning this. I don't. I have extreme doubts as to whether this is even a feasible idea. But having Russell run off the ball, I think that 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 will unlock a lot of things within this team, and maybe even another gear that they have, because I'm. I'm of the thought that if Schroeder is the guy playing off the ball, which is the most likely thing, I just don't know how much better this team is or how much better it makes mm-hmm. them. Uh, just because he's not going to attract the attention of the defense as much. They're like, oh, it's just Dennis Schroeder. Let the, let the dude take whatever shot he wants. But I think if Russell's running off the ball, I think they're going to be like, well, what are the Thunder doing? What's happening here? You need to. We need to make sure that we cover him because he can. We don't know what he's going to do. We've never even seen this before. <laughs> like what is what is happening right now? Russell Westbrook doesn't have the ball in the Thunder on offense. I think that. I think that that would unlock a lot of things. And 
Whether or not it'll happen, I really don't know. But if he's willing to, it's something that you and I have always said, like he needs to do this more. He needs to set screens. He needs to cut. He needs to move off the ball. And the Thunder really haven't had a good point guard since Reggie Jackson to do that with. And now they have it and have another good guard again to play with him. And so I think it would just benefit the team if he was willing to do all those things and benefit him and benefit his efficiency because he's a better catch and shoot three point shooter than he is off the dribble. I think that he's, he's a guy that can generate and it's not just a direct pass to him, but it's a pass to Russell Westbrook off the ball. He finds Paul George wide open in the corner because of what he just generated with the screen and rolling off that screen. I mean, there's just so many things that could happen with this team. If he's willing to do that, the offense can become what Billy wants it to be. But is he willing to do it? I mean, that'll just be the question. And to me, I just, I'm going to say it's not going to happen until I see it. Uh, Just because we've been talking about it for a decade and it hasn't happened. And so I, I just think that it, it, it won't. And I know people with the Thunder think that it's a possibility and Royce thinks that it's something that'll happen. But I, to me, I'll, I'll just believe it when I see it. Yeah, oddly enough, last season, he was much more efficient and he probably shoot more um, um, spot up uh, trees than mm-hmm. this season. Like mm-hmm. that to me is kind of crazy. And like if he can shoot like that, he was generating like 1.22 point per possession in isolation, uh, in a, sorry, in spot up situation. And so like if he can replicate that, man that that is that is huge mm-hmm. um like he he will shoot more from three this season i i think um and as you said uh, making him lean towards spot up shooting instead of off the dribble maybe with a guy that can create advantage for him consistently uh that can be uh, that can unleash like probably one of the most efficient season of Russ, uh, mm-hmm. if he's able to adjust, like even without the screening, like just uh, handle like uh, a prim- primary action. If nothing comes, then pass the ball, um, do a half screen or slip and relocate. That enough, even without making contact, will create space mm-hmm. because there's no way a, def- a defender will leave Russ. No, uh, even if outside of the three point line, no way. Mm-hmm. You have to follow him and follow him closely because if you give him a step, you're dead. You're yeah. just dead. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's without a doubt kind of the last thing for Russell's career and his prime to really go after because the dude is incredible at so many things. But if he was able to do that, I think it'd be, he may see it as a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice that will help the team win that they will just, they will win more if you will do it period. Yeah. Last question for you. Um, how they rank in isolation and pick and roll defense. Hmm. This is, this is the whole season. Yes. yes. Including the playoffs. Oh boy. 17th. No, they rank first in pick and roll ball handler defense and third in isolation defense. Wow. Over the like whole season. Wise. 
Yes. And in the, the playoffs. Issue, wow. And in the playoffs. Yes. The issue, uh, and also fifth in post-ups. The issue was they are way below average in transition defense. And that, again, I want to see how different it is when you have five guys that can run back in transition and also uh, a full season of Andre Robertson. That is without Andre Robertson for half a season. That's incredible. Like really incredible. Yeah, <laughs> that really is. I, I didn't. And that's Steven Adams. A lot of it. The guy just yeah. doesn't get credit because that, that pick and roll defense is nothing without him you know not only his ability but his communication i think is so key to what this team does and with robertson on the other end of it they're they can stop almost anybody and they have stopped almost everybody and an engaged russell westbrook i mean we saw what russell westbrook did against james harden in that last game in houston like if he's engaged and maybe Schroeder taking some of Russell's minutes will allow him to be a little bit more engaged. And like, we've had these conversations over and over again, like it probably is not going to happen and maybe will only happen uh, on a, you know, semi-regular basis, but uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, Michele, thanks for coming on the show today. We can follow you on Twitter at Mikey Barra. We can follow your project at chart underscore side, follow us on Twitter at down to dunk. You can follow me at Andrew K Schlecht. Please take some time to leave a five-star iTunes review. You guys have been just fantastic at that. It's been so helpful, and I know that there's still a large portion of you that haven't had the chance to do that uh, or you haven't really thought about it. But if you could, just take the 45 seconds of your life today and do something for us as we record these shows and put them out for you every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That would just mean a lot to us if you could do something like that. Check out our sponsors, please. And hope you guys have a great Monday. And we'll talk to you guys again Wednesday. We'll talk again soon.